a really warm welcome to the latest Clear Riverview podcast, the only podcast you will need to keep up to date with everything happening within this amazing travel segment. Now, each month we like to bring you a focus on a different river destination. That's not just to whet your appetite for when travel fully resumes. It's also to give you the inside track of the guest experience in some of these amazing destinations. And this month we're talking about all of the river cruising that departs from Bordeaux. So we are joined by Camille Dernis. She is an uh, AMA Waterways cruise director and will be testing her on her knowledge of the region shortly. We're also talking French rivers with travel and cruise writer Janine Williamson. She is also a river cruise expert and she will be giving us an overview of all of the rivers within uh, France so that we can keep up to date on all of the opportunities to experience France. And my final guest is Paul Molinas from APT, and he'll be talking about the year that's gone and the year that's coming, both for APT and the wider River Cruise segment. Thank you very much indeed for listening to our River View podcast, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Take care. So my special guest is Camille Dernis from Amma Waterways. Uh, thank you so much for your time. You should tell us a little bit to start with. Uh, how did you end up working in the river cruise industry? Hi, Andy. Thank you very much for having me, first of all. So uh, the river cruise industry, I was actually, first of all, a local guide in France, in Lyon, along the Rhone River. And then I ended up um, working for Amma Waterways as a cruise manager, and that that adventure actually started in 2016. And ever since it's a, it's a great adventure. And, and just before we move on to the destination, because I think, you know, the, the work that you do is fascinating. Um, how are guests, do they respond really well to river cruise? What do they, what do they tell you about the river experience? Uh, so we have we have guests coming from ocean cruises, but we also have guests who've never been on a cruise. And we also have guests who are what we call the repeaters. They come over and over and over again. And usually they actually tell all the other guests, oh, you're starting this. If this is your first river cruise, you're definitely going to come back. And the experience is usually extremely positive and people just like the very relaxed atmosphere that we have on board, you know, just being in your cabin and sailing away, seeing the landscapes pass by and the destinations coming really, uh, you are going to the destinations, but they're also coming to you. And I think that is really the, uh, the great experience of a river cruise. And the thing I would say actually is that your role on board that ship to create that atmosphere is absolutely essential. So, you know, you obviously do a great job at relaxing your guests and making sure that they know that everything is is under control and they're going to the right places. So, uh, so well done for everything that you do for guests. Um, we, we're talking today about uh, sailing out of Bordeaux. So let's start with the city itself. It is one of my favorite European cities. But for those who've never been to Bordeaux, tell us a little bit about it. So, yes, definitely. Um, Bordeaux. So our cruise and the cruises, the river cruises usually in the Bordeaux area, they uh, would start in Bordeaux and finish in Bordeaux. It's usually a round trip cruise, uh, despite all the different rivers that we have <laughs> actually on this specific cruise. We'll get to that maybe a little bit later, but Bordeaux is definitely, I would say a great place to start the cruise, even just a few days before. If you want to yeah. come, come to Bordeaux and spend uh, a few days before the cruise is definitely um, a, a very, I would say it's the most elegant French city that I know. 
Um, obviously, capital of Aquitaine, along uh, not too far from the Atlantic Ocean, and known, of course, as the wine capital. Um, but I think that it's not just about wine, definitely. And that's what a lot of guests, when they come with us, they discover Bordeaux and they're like, oh, but this is such a fantastic city. It's not one of the major cities in France. It only has about 250,000 inhabitants, but it's been, I would say, the last 10, 15 years that the city has truly been worked on, renovated and embellished. And the heart of the city of Bordeaux is absolutely fascinating, beautiful cultural heritage, and also enlisted to the world UNESCO heritage for many parts of it. Yeah, and one of the things I love about the city is it's so walkable. You can literally, and from where the ship docks, uh, you can walk along the waterfront or you can walk into the city. It really is very walkable, isn't it? Yes, definitely. All the, the streets, the little streets in the old town have actually been, and that started 15 years ago, they started closing them down and opening them only for pedestrians. So it's yeah. usually a very, very walkable city. And now that they have the, the tramway as well, if you don't yeah. want to walk in town, you can also just take the tramway, but very <laughs> walkable indeed, Andy. Now, one of the times I uh, have cruised from Bordeaux, there was a big wine festival. You mentioned how important wine is to the region. So and uh, does that happen every year? There's a wine festival on the riverbanks? Yes, there is a wine festival. Obviously, I mean, Bordeaux uh, does not <laughs> exist without wine and wine also does not exist really with Bo without Bordeaux. So uh, there are not just one festival uh, around Bordeaux and in Bordeaux, but festivals, I would say, just along the uh, the riverbanks. Might it be the Gironde estuary or the Garonne River where you have Bordeaux or also Dordogne. So those are the three, the three sailing points. Right. So we should talk about the rivers because it is, for me anyway, my geography is appalling, but the river that flows through Bordeaux, so where you start your cruise from, that's the Jerome. So uh, Bordeaux, and that's where a lot of people think it's the Gironde because the Gironde is actually the estuary. It's the ah. mouth of France, you know, so, and it's actually the biggest estuary that you have in France. Um, Bordeaux itself is on the Garonne River, and then right. we have a third river um, which flows into the, the estuary, uh, the Gironde Estuary, which is the Dordogne. And so on our river cruises, we do flow uh, and sail through those three, uh, three right. rivers. I'm all set. I'm all set to impress people next time I sail from there so that people know which rivers they're on. In terms of the overall experience of that cruise, um, as you leave Bordeaux and you sail into those those areas, what is it like? What's the overarching kind of experience? Oh, the experience is actually, um, like I was mentioning, wine is definitely a big part of it. I mean, it's the largest, most renowned fine wine producing regions in France and predominantly red wines. So we're going to talk about the vineyards and visit the vineyards and meet the wine growers and the wine estates and taste, obviously, the wines. Mm. Um, but it's not just about wine. It's also about the cultural heritage um, that was thanks to the wine industry and the wine uh, trade and commerce with the estuary, it really brought a lot of wealth to the area. And you can really translate that wealth in uh, the cultural heritage, the buildings. Um, I would say that this cruise is not just about wine though, because although our guests usually are there for the wine, um, we do have a lot of uh, wine, um, how do you say, like wine excursions, wine related excursions, but it's not just that. We also have a much 
uh, different excursions such as active excursions. And Andy, I think you've been on one of those. Uh, uh -huh. Cycling excursions, yeah. this area is great for cycling. There's not a lot of hills and you're just cycling through the vineyards, going from port to port. You can sail by and just wave to the ship while it's sailing by. And it's also about, I was mentioning the heritage and beautiful little villages such as, I'm thinking of obviously Saint-Emilion, which is for me one of the most fascinating uh, places to discover. It's like this amphitheater of medieval houses and buildings uh, made with this yellow limestone. And when the light comes in, it just brings this whole uh, beauty of the area surrounded with the vineyards. Yeah, Saint-Emilion is one of the top uh, destinations, obviously, when you do discover the Bordeaux area. And just one thing about this village, which is fascinating, I think it's underneath uh, the village, we have actually underground quarries and it's hundreds and hundreds of acres of these quarries that were used to create the villages and the, the city of Saint-Emilion. And today we don't use them as quarries, but as tunnels uh, to stock the barrels of wine. Uh, so yes, yes. And Saint-Emilion, great also for gastronomy. I'm thinking of obviously the macaroons. The yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's funny that we, we tried to talk about something other than wine and we ended up talking about the storage <laughs> of wine. The other thing I'll say is actually you're, you're quite right about the cycling. It is generally flat. Although I'm sure I found a hill or two, but um, the Centimillion is absolutely stunning. And, and I guess uh, compared to some other rivers in Europe, one of the nice things for me about sailing in that region is that there aren't big cities. It is some of the smaller towns that you get to explore. So are there other highlights apart from Saint-Emilion and uh, Bordeaux that you, you think people should know about? Oh yes, definitely. So obviously it's true that when our guests come on board, they think of Bordeaux, they think of the wine, they most likely have heard of places like Saint-Emilion, mm. uh, but we do discover a lot of the villages. It's not even just little towns, it's really small villages with just a couple of hundred inhabitants. I'm thinking, for instance, we have this fantastic day, uh, which is actually not dedicated to wine, and it's one of the only days not dedicated to wine. Um, it's a day where we have two stops. We first discover uh, the town of Bly, which is on the estuary, and it is really on the estuary. And actually what we discover in Bly is the 17th century citadel that was created by the king of France to protect the whole estuary from other ships from from the English for instance who oh come there we go <laughs> So this, this massive uh, citadel that we do discover with the guest room from the citadel, you actually overlook the estuary, you can see the ship, you can see all the other ships pass by the other side of the estuary. Um, and this day we discover Bly in the morning, so the citadel in the morning, and then you can either stay on the ship and sail to the next port, or you could choose to cycle uh, mm -hmm. from Bly to the next port. And that's one of my favorite actually uh, bicycle tours that we, that we offer. And when we get to this next port, the port is called, it's a little bit of a tongue twister, even for the French, it's <laughs> Bourg-sur-Gironde. Wow. <laughs> so we well, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so Bourg, and when we get to Bourg, we discover we also have another walking tour um, of, the, of the city of Bourg, which is fascinating also with a lot of World War II history. And we get a little bit away from the wine uh, factor that is very important in the area. But what crowns this, for me, this uh, day of discoveries is actually a wine festival. 
I know, that we have in Bourg. But the thing about this wine festival is that it's just for us and it's with the locals. So it's just for the Alma Waterways guests, just for our ship with also the locals and the uh, authorities. And we get to meet uh, the wine producers who speak and, you know, share their passion about their wines. And I mean, these small wine producers are just surrounded by these huge names, Saint-Emilion, Médoc, etc. And, and they're also part of the whole spectrum of wines from Bordeaux that not a lot of people know about. So for me, that is also definitely a very special day that we offer. Now, and I know we've been joking about wine, but wine is clearly important and you must get guests on board who are there pretty much because of their interest in wine. So does that mean that every day there's an opportunity to visit a, a vineyard or to, to do some wine tasting or is it or is it sporadic throughout the trip? Um, I would say that basically every day, um, according to the to the guest choice, obviously we have sometimes excursions only in the morning or excursions only in the afternoon or both if we're sailing in between and if uh, if the uh, schedule allows it. Uh, but there is enough for also people who do not necessarily want to drink wine all the time. But there's also plenty for those who do want to basically all the different types of Bordeaux wines that we offer. So I would say yes, uh, every day, if they wish to. If they wish to. In terms of, and just a couple of the logistics questions. So are all of the voyages seven nights? Is it a seven night trip? Yes, it is. Okay. And then they all, they all leave Bordeaux and then they return to Bordeaux. And I think you said that early on. In terms of the best time of year to go, I, I, I guess, uh, we may not appreciate just how warm it gets in that part of France because it can get quite hot in the middle of summer. Yes, exactly, Andy. This area, um, not too far from the Atlantic Ocean, does have quite a very, I would say, mild climate uh, throughout the year. However, in summer, it does get quite warm. I would say possibly in the 38 uh, Celsius degrees, that would be maybe the maximum, I would say. Um, of course, things can change. We know this by now, but it, I would say this. So the best time of the year, it's really up to uh, what the what the people want actually to discover because it's also, uh, it changes the colors also of the landscape, not just the, the, the buildings, obviously, but I mean, the, uh, the vineyards, for instance, if they want to see more of the harvest work also in the vineyards, that would be more September, October. But if they want to see more flowers, it would be spring. But throughout the year, it definitely, it shows its it different, uh, different colors that yeah every every season of the year I would say is is good and we do not sail during uh, during winter time right. um, in Bordeaux. So just very quickly because I, um, I'm conscious of time but also conscious that you you've worked on many rivers and you've worked in river cruising for a long time so is it, is it a distinctive river experience that people will find very different to other rivers particularly in France for example? I'm glad you asked this question, Andy. This is something uh, that a lot of people do not necessarily know about the Bordeaux area because they come for uh, the heritage, they come for the wine, uh, for the French experience. Uh, but the river cruise itself is very different from another river cruise. If you've been on the Danube, on the Rhine, or elsewhere in France, on the Seine, for instance, in Normandy, for instance, here there are no locks no right. locks at all so uh, that is quite interesting yeah. another thing is that we have to the sailing schedule changes almost every week due to the fact that we're on the Gironde estuary so uh, we're driven with the tides and there's one specific tide that we call the tidal bore which is known as the mascaret and this doesn't happen all the time but when it does happen sometimes it can go up just for a few centimeters or it can go up for one or two meters high which is oh, very wow. high 
and we have surfers that come and you can see surfers by the ship and just sailing this uh, surfing on this wave on this tidal board for a long time 15 to 20 minutes this wave to oh, stay wow. there yes another characteristic is i would say maybe the last one is something that we don't necessarily know about, it's the color of the water. It's what we call, um, it's not the blue Danube that you would imagine, <laughs> but it is what we call the beautiful color of cafe au lait. All right, and this is because of all the sediments that is brought in by the tides. So the water is never clear. And that is something that sometimes surprises the guests. Oh, this is so different from another river. So yes, the, the river cruise experience is completely different. The cruising itself, yes. And, and it's a wonderful cruise experience, I have to say. It was one of my favorite trips. It's such a beautiful part of France. Uh, and such a wonderful way to explore the region is by river ship. So thank you so much. I could talk to you all day and uh, I could reminisce about my holidays, but I certainly look forward to getting back on board a ship soon. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Andy. It was really a pleasure. Thank you. So delighted to be joined by Janine, who is a travel and cruise writer and an expert on all things rivers, I like to think. So Janine, thank you so much for, for joining me. Um, I know that we've river cruised together occasionally as well, but um, so thank you again for your time. We should start with some of the rivers in France because we'll be chatting a little bit later uh, to an expert who's talking all things uh, Bordeaux, for example. But in okay. terms of in terms of your French river experience, is there a river that stands out, or is there a way of sort of summarizing that river experience in France? I mean, I think if I can just quickly an overview, Andy, because I think with rivers in France, one of the things that I love about France is there are so many rivers to choose from, which makes my choice difficult. But we'll get yes. on to that in a minute, um, because, for example, I think, you know, maybe in some other countries, we tend to associate them with one main river. So you might think of the Rhine in Germany, Danube in Austria, the Douro in Portugal. But France being a large country, you know, does have multiple rivers to choose from. So the Seine is an obvious one going running through Paris. Um, then you've got the Rhone and Seine, which are two rivers that join together. You've got the Garonne that runs through Bordeaux and you've got the Loire. Um, and plus on top of all of that, you've got French waterways, which are lesser known where you can do fantastic barge cruises, hotel barge cruises. Um, so that's why it's quite difficult for me to make my choice. Um, <laughs> The Seine is obviously fantastic because it includes uh, always all the cruises include an overnight in Paris. Um, so, for instance, if you've got you know city break people, it's a great way to introduce them to river cruising because um, you're going to stay in Paris for at least one or two nights. The ships more right, most of them, the majority more right on the river with a fantastic view of the Eiffel Tower. I mean, how many hotels have a view like that? Or you're going to pay a real premium for it. Um, it but in terms. It's Sorry, really that's all right. It's a really good point on for first time cruisers because I guess the Seine is and Paris is one of those uh, well known places for visitors to to France. But it doesn't just stay there, does it? It does head north uh, into the countryside and, and close to the coast. Yeah, and I mean, as uh, I think you know, for any clients that have maybe done the Rhine and the Danube, the Seine is the obvious one to recommend. Um, and also for new to cruisers, as I said, for city break clients. And also my either special interest groups, um, for instance, or anybody, for instance, with an interest in wartime um, military history, because all the cruises, as you say, go to Normandy. Um, they have very poignant excursions to the landing beaches, to wartime memorial sites and battlefields. So that's a big draw too. 
Um, so that so the Seine is a is a great place to start. Um, and Definitely. You, and you mentioned uh, you mentioned all of them, but actually you mentioned the Rhone, and I guess the Rhone is the next best known river, is it in France? And that again has a lot of a different appeal, I guess. Yes, and the Rhone and the Seine they run into each other. Um, and a big appeal there, well, I mean, anybody obviously going to France, most people love food and drink. That's a huge draw for all the river cruises. Um, with cruises on the Rhone and Seine, they mostly start and end in Lyon, which is the French foodie capital. I think it's got more Michelin-style restaurants per head than, than Paris and other places. So, And you always have a day and an overnight there usually, so that's great. Um, again, a very different feel um, from the same because this, this is lovely cruise because it goes down into Provence, so absolutely beautiful. And, you know, you see the lavender fields um, again, and you go to Burgundy, so fantastic wine tasting there. And again, for we seem to keep returning to the theme of wine. Maybe it's one <laughs> close to my heart, but, uh, you know, beautiful, um, you know, wines down there. So, that, so that's really good, too. Um, and yeah, so really good shore excursions. Um, you can go to Avignon. And that's quite fun because it's the only bridge in France that's got a song named after it. It is the remains of a very, very old bridge. And when you go past it, they tend to play this song on board and give you a glass of sparkling wine. And that's, really? so that's, all that's fun too. Yeah. Um, and, and then you, you mentioned one of my favourite European cities, actually, which is Bordeaux. Um, but river cruising is, is really popular from there. Again, um, it is popular there for the wines, of course, because it's funny when you look at the... Um, where you're going, you know, Saint-Emilion, um, Pouliac, you see these road signs and everything reads almost like a wine list. Um, again, with Bordeaux, that's great because the river cruises, most of them are round trips from Bordeaux. So you have plenty of time in that city. It's a beautiful UNESCO listed city. And then you go out into the countryside and cruise there and all the cruises will include a wine tasting um, and I think again just the whole nature of river cruising Andy is when you go to these wine estates you're made to feel very special because you're just with the people on board it's a private tasting you're usually um, met by the owner of the vineyard um, it's a very small group in the cellars which are very very atmospheric and that makes it a very very special experience you, you don't feel part of a, a big tourist crowd. That's a really good point actually yeah. it hadn't even crossed my mind and uh and, and actually, those visits to the, the vineyards really are highlights of that trip. I, 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 wine tasting is really important, of course, but actually the scenery and the, the beautiful estates that often these chateaus are on is, is stunning. Absolutely, definitely. And, um, and also now with some of the excursions, because um, I think we've talked in the past about a lot of cru river cruises now, they offer more active um, excursions if you want to go, not obligatory, of course. But some which are quite fun. Um, I've never done one. It sounds quite perilous, but it is only one way. You cycle to a vineyard and you have the tasting, but you don't have to get yourself back. They come and pick you up on a coach. And I think that's a great option. You know, what fun, you know, cycling through the vineyards to get there, yeah. lovely tasting, then a coach on the way back. Yeah, brilliant. Love that idea. Um, I also, at one of my excursions in the Bordeaux area, I think we did a hike with one of the local vineyard owners and they took us around their estate before ending up and tasting some wine and things like that. So lots of choice of things to do. Um, we should talk a little bit about the Loire, which I know isn't a particularly popular river destinations, but there is the opportunity to do it on the Loire. There is. And I mean, when you asked me earlier about one of my favourite rivers, I absolutely love the Loire. Um, it's 
an interesting river because it's very, very shallow. So until very recently, nobody, the only way you could go was long day trips. Um, and then Quasi-Europe very cleverly built this modern day paddle steamer, not paddle steamer, sorry, that's the wrong word, paddle wheeler to navigate the shallow waters. Um, so they're the only company that cruise there, which means obviously it's very uncrowded. Um, and it's just so fascinating because you start in the city of Nantes, which is a very quirky city. The um, science fiction writer Jules Verne was born there and where the ship moors, it's opposite the old dockyard, which they've turned into this fantastic sort of waterfront attraction um, after Jules Verne. There's this fantastic three-tier um, carousel where you start at the sea and move up to the sky. Um, they've got this huge wooden elephant that carries people along. So, so you can arrive there and you look out of your cabin window and there's this <laughs> elephant walking past, which is before you've even had a glass of wine. And so it's very, very quirky. And the... Um, all the cruises are round trip from Nantes. And so you set off. And again, it's a very arty city and there are these fun art installations. And one of the things, we just couldn't believe it the first time we saw it, there is this house in the river that's semi-submerged and the ship goes past it. We were absolutely extraordinary, but it's really clever. It's not a real house. It's actually an art installation. Oh, and wow. it's just fun and it's quirky. Um, and then you, you cruise down to the, towards the Atlantic um, and the, I mean, now this is very interesting and fun for any passengers that might be ocean cruisers too, because of course, as we know, both ocean and river cruisers, they can enjoy river cruising too. Um, one of the excursion options is to the San Azair shipyard, um, which built beautiful ocean liners in the past. And there is a museum to that effect where you can see recreations of some of the lovely ships of the past. But you can also go through the modern day shipyard, which is absolutely fascinating because there's always going to be one of the big cruise ships being built there and you get really close up views. Um, and that's so interesting. Everybody loved that. You know, they give you all these facts and figures and it's great fun. Yeah. Fascinating places, shipyards for, for <laughs> ocean ships. The, the scale is always something that you remember. But um, I, I love the fact that you love the Loire. And for those people who have not river cruised in France yet, is there you know, you obviously like the Loire very much, but are they quite similar, the experiences on all of them? Presumably the weather does differ slightly between the north and the south. Yes, the, the weather is, is can differ. Um, and I think, you know, you need to, to, to decide you know, what you want to do, what, you know, if you want to concentrate on certain sites, say like the Normandy landing beaches, or if you want to see Monet's garden, then you need to go on the Seine. Um, the food and wine theme runs through all of them. Um, one thing I think actually is a point I was going to make with France, which is quite interesting, the itineraries are very culture rich. And if you've been on the Rhine or the Danube, you will find that the actual sailing times are much shorter in between destinations because the rivers themselves are a little shorter. You, so you don't have really long scenic sailing days. Um, so that's really good if you really, really want to make the most of your time on shore. I think that's why River Cruise France is good, because often you will be visiting two places in one day. Right. Um, but you won't have the hours and hours sailing and not stopping. That's really good advice. Again, hadn't crossed my mind. No. So um, <laughs> um, in terms of the River Cruise experience itself, because you are a very qualified, very experienced River Cruiser, what do you what do you like to do in a typical day? Do you like to get out and about or do you relax on deck or, you know, what do you like to do? Um, 
I always like to get out and about. And I tend to usually, if there are, say, two shore excursions on offer in a day, I will usually do one and then I'll do something under my own steam. And again, we've spoken about this many times in the past, Andy, but one of the delights of river cruising is that you more in the heart of towns and cities, um, you literally walk off the ship and you're right in the centre of town, for example, in Bordeaux. That's an absolutely fantastic city to walk around. Um, and plus now many ships provide bicycles on board. Um, so you can go off along the canal path or tow path or into the town because France has some fantastic cycle paths. Um, so that's fun. So I tend to, yes, I like to do some things by myself and then I'll join an excursion usually once a day. And just to press you on the very first question I asked you, do you have a favourite river in France now that we've <laughs> put you under pressure now? Uh, well, I will say I, I enjoy them all, but I, I'm particularly taken by the Loire just because it's very different. Um, fabulous sites like the, the original Sleeping Beauty Castle that inspired the fairy tale is there. I love the quirkiness of Nantes um, and because I'm a bit of a ship geek, I, you know, I love going to the shipyard too. So I would say the Loire, but they are all lovely. And is it, is it a wine region still up as, as far up as the Loire? Very much so. Some, some lovely light whites. Um, yeah, some, some yeah, really nice. We, we I've had tried to... them all. I've tried them all. <laughs> we had to finish talking about wine. I know it's a bit of a theme for French uh, rivers, <laughs> but also for river cruising and for going on holiday in general. But um, Janine, thank you so much for sharing some of your um, thoughts and some of your expertise. We really appreciate it. My absolute pleasure, Andy. Thank you very much. So my very special guest this afternoon is the the very well-known Paul Molinas from APT. Uh, Paul, thank you very much for joining us. Um, how are you and how's it going? Yeah. Well, I think, Andy, uh, firstly, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, secondly, um, we're good, um, fit and healthy. And I think uh, we are seeing some light at the end of the tunnel uh, for all of us in the travel industry. Brilliant. Yeah, I hope so. It certainly feels like it. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit for how it's been for APT. But let's start with you. How did you end up in travel? Is that a long conversation? <laughs> oh, well, I'll try and cut it down. Um, <laughs> we're short on time. But uh, I started out my, my career in travel uh, many moons ago. And uh, it was really down to when we left college. Uh, we joined uh, an apprentice scheme really, uh, and we were given the opportunity by a large, one of the UK's largest tour operators, and uh, it was a great opportunity actually at the time, because we got to go in there and see how the business operates in all different departments, and uh, I spent seven to eight happy years there um, learning the ropes, and uh, from there uh, I went into the space of touring and then uh, river cruising, and I'm at APT today, and I've been there for three happy years. And have you loved it all? And do you love the travel aspect? Because you obviously, you're, you're MD for UK and Europe. So presumably in normal times, that means a lot of traveling. So have you enjoyed it all? It does. I mean, I've been uh, lucky enough, Andy, to get to see so many different countries around the world. And, and that's the beauty of travel. You know, we're not all in travel to be millionaires, or I don't think we would be in this sector <laughs> or, or the majority of us. I think uh, we're in travel because we get to meet fantastic people um, and we get to also speak to uh, great people and share experiences uh, and meet people from across the world. So, you know, uh, traveling has been part of my job from day one. 
Um, and uh, now that I work for an Australian business, um, there's lots of travel to back and forward to Melbourne. Um, so I'm not sure if COVID's a good thing for me or not a good thing for mm. me, but uh, I'm not the best flyer. So it certainly uh, cuts out the 24-hour trip to Melbourne. And have you missed the travel over the last 12 months or so? Uh, personally, I, I think I have because, uh, you know, holidays like for everybody now uh, are a necessity and are not a luxury anymore. You know, back in the day, we always used to say, you know, if we've got enough time, we'll take a holiday. If we've got enough money, we'll take a holiday. But I think now it becomes part of everybody's DNA. So I've certainly missed it. Um, you know, I, I love the sunshine. I love the sea. And uh, we don't get hardly any of those in the UK. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we give it a go from time to time. Yeah, yeah. I think I think like many people, I've I've missed the the travel, the chance to go to new places, and as you say, relax by a beach or a pool or something like that. So, we look forward to travelling again. Um, you mentioned you you've moved across to APT in the last few years. So, for those who don't know the business, tell us a little bit about it. Well, we're predominantly uh, Australian-owned business, been operating for over ninety years. We're still family-owned today. We're owned by the McGeary family. And it's uh, a great business operating in a sector of uh, river cruise and touring. You know, we started our history operating Australian New Zealand touring. And uh, today we're one of the largest in the river cruise sector, um, and especially in, in Asia and, and onto the Mekong. So, uh, you know, we, we grow every day. Uh, we learn new things every day. And uh, we're adding product to the portfolio um, as, as much as we can. And how has the past 12 months been for APT? I'm sure like all travel businesses, it's been a, a challenge. Well, it has. I mean, look, uh, I think uh, things today are as well as it could be when you're running a business in our sector. Um, but, it, you know, I remember it's been over a year now since we actually left the office. Um, we moved the team out from the office very quickly. You know, we've had some challenging times, but overall, I'm really pleased with how we've dealt with everything as a business managed to keep our day-to-day -day operation going. And we've also learned a lot, Andy. I think um, this pandemic uh, has given us time. Um, and we've actually seen what, what we do as a business, how we communicate and what people, uh, the togetherness and the teamwork is really how, how important that is. And, uh, you know, that's we've learned lessons in this and, and good lessons for it. So, you know, on one side, sure, uh, we would love everybody to travel uh, in, in 21 and 20. Uh, but I think when we come out the other side, we're going we're to be stronger as a business and so will many others. Have you personally missed the office? Because like you, I think I've had maybe two days in the office in the last 12 months. So have you have you missed that camaraderie or have you not missed the commute? Look, I mean, these social channels are great. You've got Zoom, you've got Teams, yeah. uh, and it's phones and WhatsApps these days. But what you can't do is meet, beat the traditional face-to-face, -face, you know. And uh, we've got fantastic people in our business and uh, from all different demographics. And uh, I do miss them. I don't miss the four-hour round-trip commute um, <laughs> but, uh, and, and catching trains. But apart from that, I, I miss the people in, in the office. And it would be great to... Uh, hopefully get that open up in July sometime and, and, and see, see some people because, you know, everybody's got a different circumstance. You know, some people are, are living with partners, some people have family, some people are living on their own. So it's nice to uh, get back into, into that space. Good stuff. Right. We should we should talk about those um, those silver linings or that light at the end of the tunnel coming. So, so what's been what, are, what have people been buying from APT? Where are they headed? 
Well, I think uh, in in 20, it was the same as everybody. You know, it was making sure that uh, we saved and secured as many people as we can um, with their holidays and, and help them, give them the opportunity to take that holiday in, in 21, if, if it was possible. So what we did just before Christmas is we launched, uh, that's usually our, our best selling season. We, didn't, we launched a, a decent campaign um, pre-Christmas. We didn't go uh, full out in the normal campaign, but we went on a smaller campaign. Uh, we set our forecasts for quarter one, and I was really happy and surprised at uh, the business that actually came in, a new business that came in in, in January, February, March. Um, and that was the challenge, actually, is getting enough people to to answer the phone. So we we managed to draft in some of our um, business development managers that we normally have visiting uh, travel agents to come and join the phone lines and some of the other teams to come and join the panels as well. And, you know, Europe was the hot destination um, and really was, was the main priority. Um, but over the last couple of months, we've seen uh, Asia starting to come back. Um, Asia for 22, obviously. Um, Australian New Zealand inquiries, although we don't know when Australian New Zealand open up yet. And Croatia has been uh, a real hit for us. So um, we launched a new product along with our 22 range in March um, of a small small yacht or small ship cruising, a yacht in Croatia. Um, it's a wonderful opportunity for our guests that may have taken a river cruise before or a tour with us to try something different. And within the first three weeks, we sold 50% of the inventory for wow. 22 already. So wow. we're really happy about that. It's funny you keep talking about river cruising, which, of course, I understand very well. You also talk about touring. I'm not sure what that even is, so I'm going to ignore <laughs> that for now. Um, but it is odd, isn't it? So do you get that sense that people are looking either for that bucket list uh, holiday or that bucket list destination against those who maybe are looking for something closer at home in Europe or, as you say, Croatia on what sounds like a wonderful yacht? Oh, it's an amazing yacht. You know, we talk about inventory going for 22. I hope it doesn't all go so we can get an opportunity to go <laughs> do it ourselves. Um, but I think that it's, it's twofold, Andy. I think there's definitely going to be pent-up demand um, and people want to go on holiday. And people have probably saved more in 20 and 21 than they've ever saved before, um, especially with, you know, the travelling from work, going to restaurants and the weekends and the evenings and things and bars and, and what's that. Um, so they've saved money and they want to go out. They can't wait to go out and see new places. So at first it was more closer to home because people were thought that Europe would be open first. It'll be the safest place to go. But I think as as time goes on, um, you know, there's uh, new countries opening on the green list that we'll see in the next few weeks, hopefully, maybe months, um, where people can travel to. And I think people are open to travel. You know, you look at the states, people had that uh, on high on their list. I thought we're never going to get there um, anytime soon. But they're vaccinated and rated not, which is great. Then you look at Australia and New Zealand, where they've had a very, very low infection rate, but they've kept in their own bubble. So when they open up again, that's going to be another safe destination. Where you look at Europe, is being challenged now with um, some uh, areas uh, back in lockdown and things. So I think it's going to be a wait and see, but the appetite is there for people to travel. And, you know, travelling, like I said earlier, is in our DNA, and whether that's uh, short haul or long haul, um, people will be buying uh, more holidays, I think, now than ever. And instead of maybe having just one or two, they may even go into three or four. And we've seen clients put four holidays in, 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 one, in one hit, which is, which is great. 
I'm I'm really struck. I was just reading through some of the some of the notes about APT, but you you feature such a range of destinations and products. So how on earth do you keep up with the demand that may pop up? You mentioned sort of North America, the the, the interest there. We, we you know we've talked about your yacht in Croatia, for example. How how do you hmm. keep up and reflect that? Well, I think really, it, you know, you've got to look at uh, who's buying your holidays and you've got to always keep it fresh. And, uh, you know, we're predominantly, you know, we focus heavily on river cruise and we focus on river cruise in Europe because we've got fantastic rivers in Europe. And uh, we're one, one of the top uh, suppliers on the Mekong. Um, and I think that we're always looking to expand products and I think Croatia was a natural fit for us because we've gone onto the river. You know, we're not going into ocean at this moment. So the next one is small ship. Yeah. Um, and small ship, you can get to some places. Uh, Croatia is a prime example where it's a wonderful country. I, I've been there. I've been lucky enough to go there a few times. I'm sure you have. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favourites. And uh, you can get there to see the islands on on a on a small yacht or a small ship is a fantastic opportunity and we've done that so we're always looking to expand these different countries but it's got to fit our type of holiday style or profile if we can um you know alongside in croatia what we decided to do is you know let's let's open croatia up as a destination so not only have that small ship yacht cruising but let's let's try a bit of um, if someone doesn't want to cruise, then let's try a bespoke holiday where we can set up like a tailor-made bespoke itinerary with a private guide and driver and do the same route but on land. Um, and and that's that's uh, been having some good interest, which which is good as well. Yeah, amazing choice of product. I don't know how you personally keep up with everything. It's it's much easier for me thinking just about cruise, but it's uh, there's a there's a lot of destinations going on there. Just very quickly on river cruise, because I know you've got some new ships and you've got you're looking forward to Christmas markets and things. So just give us a quick update on river. Yeah, so we, we we're lucky enough uh, this year. We were due to launch um, our new travel mile ships, which is uh, they're three new ships, actually. They're beautiful ships, they're very nicely uh, designed, real contemporary style. And we were hoping to put those uh, into the rivers in um, in May and we're going to run our, our first series. But unfortunately, you know, we sit now coming into May and there's no way we're getting away anytime soon. But we, we've said that we've moved that deployment now to the end of August. So we're going to run that from August uh, to October, we hope. Um, and that's going to be the maiden voyage of uh, one of one of the three ships. And then next year, we're going to hopefully put them all in, um, all into the water. And at the back end, uh, we've also got some new product like the Christmas markets, I think, runs uh, 16 December and 22 and you're back on Christmas Eve. So it's uh, one of the first times we've tried a Christmas market trip. Well, it's a Ryan and Moselle. It looks great. It's on one of the new ships and uh, value for money wise, uh, it's it's fantastic. So we know that uh, 22 is it should be the year that we're expecting. The only thing with 22, I would say, is that, you know, demand it may outstrip uh, the inventory um, because people that are moved from 20 to 21, they're only going into 22. Um, so, you know, we, we've been talking about for a while is if you want the date and a cruise of your choice then book early and that's not a sales pitch that's just saying that if you do want to go um our, our river ships you know have 160 170 guests and uh, that's it um yeah. and we can't make them any bigger so um there's gonna be an opportunity for people to travel in 22 and i think that uh 
I think that's going to be the year when we'll all be back. Just quickly, and then thank you for that update, but just quickly, is there a destination, a place that you're most excited about seeing when we are able to travel again? Well, look, I think uh, for me, I love traveling. Um, I love the States and I also like Australia too, but, uh, you know, not because I am from Greece. Uh, Greece <laughs> the Greek islands is something close to me. Um, I'm hoping to get there in 21 and I'll get there when it, as soon as it opens, I'll be one of the first on it. So hopefully in, in 21. And I just can't wait to, you know, kick back, relax and uh, enjoy a bit of uh, good food. Uh, surprisingly good wine, good Greek wine, and uh, you know, mixing in with, it, with with great Greek people. So yeah. I think Greece is up on my list, and then followed shortly by a uh, uh, small ship yacht cruising in Croatia. Sounds good to me. Listen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for updating us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on one of those ships at some point soon. You're welcome, Ed. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>